Before we start this episode, just want to continue to give our thoughts to everybody that has been impacted by this coronavirus. Um, you know, we hope all your friends and family and loved ones are safe. Uh, but as well as that, just want to give a continual thanks to everybody who is out there working, supporting the communities, whether it is um, frontline workers in the medical field like doctors, nurses and other healthcare professionals, whether it is teachers who are still out there teaching students, um, you know, store workers, delivery drivers, couriers, um, and apologies if I have forgot anybody, but uh, just want to say a continual thanks to everybody that is out there and serving the greater needs of the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to episode 13 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, after a grueling schedule breaking down the eight divisions, we are going to be now addressing the NFL draft and the fantasy implications. So in this episode, we'll be breaking down our consensus rankings, which will be based on the average of the four rankings of myself, Mo, Chiggs and Paul. So getting into it then, uh, we have Chiggs. Hey, guys. We have Paul. Evening all. And we have Mo. Giddy up. Before we get into the episode, just want to give a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for the song Chains, which is the intro music on our podcast. Also, a continued shout out to Natasha, wife of Chigs. I really appreciate, um, and we all do, that these last few weeks of recording all these episodes have been a lot of hard work. Chigs has been heavily involved for the majority of that. So thanks for being supportive as always, Natasha. And finally, to the NFL lads who are a great community on Facebook, uh, British guys who go to a lot of the games, or all the games, I should say, in London. Tons and tons and tons of giveaways. Just a great community for fans alike. So check out the NFL lads on Facebook and Instagram. Right, let's get into our rookie rankings. Welcome, lads. There's a lot to break down on the uh, from the draft. So, uh, Chiggs, before we get into consensus rankings, any anything from the draft you want to talk about any particular players landing spots anything like that more than the actual draft itself which you know probably i think at the start was what went quite to script actually just more around the whole draft experience obviously being um remote um i actually really enjoyed the uh the zoom session that you uh you set up Amir, um for us all to kind of watch it um you know, we all dialed in and were kind of commenting and watching the draft from our various living rooms. I thought that was really good fun. Um, I think I made it to about pick 20 before I tapped out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was excellent. I think, you know, hopefully that'll be an annual tradition going forwards. I think so. I really enjoyed it. And we had 15, maybe 16 people. So we had a lot of, uh, a lot of people, particularly in the UK, staying up late to watch it. But that was a fun experience. And you're right, the early part of the draft didn't seem like there were going to be any trades and almost like nobody trusted the technology and then things really picked up uh, later on. Uh, so this this consensus ranking will be based on a Superflex tight end Premium League, which I think for us is now the default that we tend to play in Dynasty. So um, apologies if you're a 1QB or a different 
scoring set setup, but um, hopefully this will still be uh, beneficial to you. So first player in Superflex, I don't think there's much really debate or discussion required, but it is Joe Burrow. All four of us have him ranked at number one. Um, Mo, anything you'd like to say about Burrow going to the Bengals, which is the worst kept secret? Uh, no, I think uh, I, mean, I think everyone knew. Um, he, he does have Andy Dal- Dalton still in front of him. But, uh, I mean, everything points to him doing well there. Haven't really compared offensive schemes or anything with the Cincinnati Bengals and what LSU had. But, I mean, as per, you know, just a consensus number one, I mean, in a super flex lead, you want the best QB available. And at this point, uh, everyone and all the, all, the, all the professionals and all the analysts said he's, he's, the best, uh, he's the best QB out there in this draft. What I really like as well about um, Burrow's situation, you know, we touched upon it when we were going through the team breakdowns and we mentioned their need to bring in a, a wide receiver to sort of take the mantle from AJ Green and whether they address it in this draft or perhaps next year. And we'll obviously touch on him later on, but taking T Higgins at the start of the second round, um, I think that's that's a massive, massive um, boost for Joe Burrow. You know, that's potentially his big body, you know, wide receiver one um, to throw to. So I think that, you know, that, that's a real sort of statement for the, for the Bengals that, you know, they're giving him the weapons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul, anything to add on Burrow? No, not really. I mean, it's felt, it's fairly, uh, I haven't seen anywhere where he hasn't gone that 101. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've looked at a few other sites just for reference, but Burrow is the number one across all rankings for Superflex. And then similarly, number two is Tua Tagovailoa. Um, consensus number two on our rankings. All of us have him ranked second. I think a few other sites have checked uh, have him second as well. Um, there were rumors that Dolphins tried to trade up to get him. But, um, you know, they got their man uh, at the 105 in the NFL draft. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Tua at the Dolphins? And oh, also actually- having... Well, sorry, I was just going to say, and also having time to sit behind Fitzpatrick for a while as well. I, I actually prefer him to watch and Burrows, in all honesty. Um, I'm more, I'd, I would be more, I, I would trade down if I had the 101 to try and get him at 102. Just, I'd rather have him on my team. And I also, I do like the fact that he's going to be behind um, Fitzpatrick there for a while, or pretend, probably at least. I know Burrows has got that too. Um, not having pressure to play in immediately, but uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm quite keen to get try and get him in a couple of leagues. Would you, you know, would you guys think that Tua's probably got a bit more bust potential, but he's got the higher ceiling out of the I two? Think he's got more upside, yeah, uh, which I guess probably does mean more bust as well. See, for me, I, I, I could see. Tua, if everything goes right, I think I could see him finishing in the top five at the position. I can't see Burrow being that guy, but I think he will be more sort of steady. You know, you, I think he'll be consistently that sort of low-end wide um, tight, um, QB1, high-end QB2. I, I could see that. Um, the only the only wild card um, would be Tua's injury concerns. That's the, only, that's the major yeah. issue I have. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's the risk, right? I think both of their 
ceilings are similar. I can't say that Tua has a higher ceiling because just look at what Joe Burrow did last year at yeah, a high-powered yeah. offense at LSU, the greatest quarterback season of all time. And, you know, the other argument to make is that Joe Burrow's got a offensive-minded head coach uh, in um, Zach Taylor, whereas, you know, with the Dolphins, it was the old uh, defensive coordinator. So I know they've got you know, a decent OC there, but just from a head coaching perspective, I think Burrow has the advantage there as well, which is why I, th- I think one and two at this stage of their careers for Superflex purposes, and even where they fell in the draft, are completely reasonable. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think Tua would have gone higher if he hadn't got a bit injured? In if the it, draft, was, if it was one season ago, it was nobody but Tua who would have yeah. gone at the 101. Um, you know, after the season he had, or a couple of seasons he had for Alabama, but as Mo alluded to, he's had He's had a few injuries now, and there's also rumors about undisclosed injuries that he sort of kept secret. So there's always a bit of a worry with that, but it'd be great to see how their careers develop. Um, because my, See, my only worry with Borrow, and you know, I'm not saying it's, it's going to be the case, but it kind of came out of nowhere, right? He was, he was doing nothing previously, he had to transfer to LSU, he didn't put up good numbers, and then suddenly he had this record-breaking season. It's just yeah, that, you know, I think so can too. he do it consistently? That that That's the only kind of slight knock, I'd say, for Burrow. That, that's my only, you know, sort of niggle. And, I, you know, I, I wouldn't stop me from taking 101 for sure, but... Mm. Yeah, and I think as we go down some of these uh, players, I think for Burrow and Tua, you probably want to take them one and two, regardless of whether you're quite uh, strong at QB already, just because of the draft, va- sorry, the trade value that they'll hold. Whereas I think after those two, it gets a lot more uh, subjective, particularly as we get into the running backs, um, which we've now got. So, you know, at the third in our consensus rankings is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was taken at the last pick of the first round by the Chiefs. Uh, I think we said on a previous episode, whichever running back lands at the Chiefs is going to be a hot commodity. Uh, it turns out that it was Edward Zilaire, who was arguably one of the best uh, pass catchers uh, at, at running back, but also had a good run game uh, as part of the LSU uh, system there as well. Um, so, you know, w- me and Paul have him ranked third. Chiggs uh, and Mo, you've got him fourth, but all in that sort of broad range. So, um, I mean, Chiggs, you hold the 103 in one of our rookie drafts. Um, and I'm guessing at the moment you're probably leaning towards Edward Zilla or the next man we'll talk about soon. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was splitting hairs between um, the three and four. And you could easily, you'll see probably in a lot of rankings, these guys will sort of be interchangeable. For me, I just had um, Clyde Ezra-Hilaire just put in at number four because I love his situation at the Chiefs. Obviously, they, they took him at the end of the first. That offense is, you know, I've said it in previous episodes, you know, you want a piece of that backfield if you can get it. I just think the the guy I have at number three is probably one of the most talented running backs in the class. You know, people were talking about him pre-draft 
um, not there with Swift and Dobbins, you know, those are sort of the big three and however you cut it. And he landed in a very good spot. I mean, um, so we'll come to him. But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't argue with um, Clyde Valer at number three at all. Yeah, and uh, Mo, I mean, you have him as your number one running back, albeit ranked fourth. So looking back on the draft, do you think he's fallen into the best situation? Uh, correct. I think, I think that's the main reason. Uh, I, I actually originally had always clumped all four of these running backs. Uh, well, you know, Taylor, Dobbins, Swift, all four around the same category. You, again, it's splitting hairs, as Chicks mentioned, between a lot of these. But based on where, just solely based on where each running back landed, I think he has he has the best chances to thrive. I mean, he's 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 going to be a perfect. I mean, he's basically he's going to do something that the Chiefs really didn't have a solid, uh, didn't have a running back do t- since Hunt in the sense of catching catching balls from the backfield. And I mean, just you know, you you give this guy a little bit of room and he's off. And I mean, uh, you know, Williams I think will still start off as the lead back, but I think I think. Uh, Hilaire will uh, um, outseed him for the lead back position probably midway through this season. And again, just being in a dynamic offensive team um, right then. I mean, you've seen the pass. I mean, whoever is the running back behind, uh, whoever is the running back, starting running back with the Kansas City Chiefs will get you points. See, my concern there with with him is the fact that Damian Williams is still there. You know, he's he's obviously done... um, really well when he's played obviously can't stay healthy I think the issue with Williams is he's never going to be the lead back because he can't stay healthy but if you're mixing him in and out you know snaps and just keeping him kind of fresh I think he's going to eat into some of that work from from Clyde Edwards-Alaire so that probably is my concern you know and again this is just my sort of first snap post-draft right so Depending on how they say they're going to use him and stuff, yeah, you could you could clearly cement that spot for himself. But 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 couldn't you make the same argument for the rest of the running backs? I mean, I think yeah. they've all kind of kind of felt that same situation. Like yeah, Taylor with the Colts well, and the Ravens. That's that's the trouble. I think I think that's the biggest thing we'll see with the running backs in this class is their landing spots have kind of they've actually ironically they're good landing spots probably for more of a longer term perspective i agree I think, I think if you're looking at production for the 2020 season you may have to be a little bit patient i'd say yeah and i'm looking at prime examples being uh nick chubb and kareem hunt in recent years where they're drafted you know you've got all these hopes and expectations but for the first half of the season they're barely seeing 10 15 snaps uh, let alone carries uh, but then all of a sudden the tables turn and, you know, before you know it, uh, Carlos Hyde is traded and Nick Chubb becomes the man uh, and was just a fantasy god. And same with Kareem Hunt. I forget who he was uh, behind at the uh, Chiefs, but, you know, he had to be patient for eight games or something. But then once he got his opportunity, he was um, unstoppable. So, And I think that's the same for all of these um, running backs, or particularly the, the, the top four that have always yeah. been touted as the elite running backs. Um, so, yeah, you know, I can see, I, I agree. I think three and four are very interchangeable. I've had a look at a few mock drafts, or I've looked at a few actual rookie drafts that have already taken place, uh, con- other consensus rankings, and uh, these two are 
very, very interchangeable. So next up then is Jonathan Taylor, uh, who landed at the Colts. One of the best offensive lines in all of football. Um, great landing spot for a running back. Uh, Colts actually traded up um, in the second round to get him at the 209. Um, so only nine picks later than Edward Zilair uh, in terms of uh, getting drafted. But, um, you know, I said there's arguments for both. I, I've just put him behind Edward Zilair because he doesn't have that same pass-catching ability that Clyde Edward Zilair has. But it, this is the sort of guy who could quite easily in year one run for 1,500 yards uh, and give you that for the next three four seasons uh, I appreciate Taylor's had a bit more wear and tear having played um, more snaps uh, at Wisconsin but I was saying either on previous episodes or even in offline conversations that for me Taylor is the best running back in in college football and well sorry particularly coming into this class so um, I'm a big fan of Taylor so this is why I'm surprised you had him at four um, you know, again, I know you're splitting hairs, but you had Taylor ranked as your number one running back of the class, you know, even the wear and tear concerns aside. And he's landed in much one of the spots, you know, I think people talked about Tampa Bay, Indy and Kansas City as being, you know, the three prime spots of running backs. And he's landed in that, you know, spot in Indy. You can't uh, really ask them much more. You've got the talent and you've got the situation there. That that's why for me he's in at number three. I, I I had him as the I actually had him as the third running back of this class. But the fact that he's landed in Indy, I, I can't see Marlon Mack, you know, giving him too much competition. It, it may take a few weeks, maybe half the season for him to make that role his own. But that offensive line, Phil Rivers there now as well. They're wide receiving weapons. You know his his pace. Yeah, I can see that he could be a fantasy gold mine. I think Hines also throws a little bit of. Uh, uh, I was just going to add, yeah, that yeah. The, the you know, uh, the reason I've got him under Edward Zilaire, even though I'm a bigger fan of Taylor above any running back, is as I was saying, um, I think I think he's got a more competent back to overthrow in Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack has been fairly good or, or very good in the last couple of seasons. Considering he's been playing with Jacoby Brissett uh, as the QB last year, he still put up fantasy-relevant weeks, uh, RB1, RB2. So I don't think it's as easy to just over overthrow Marlon Mack. But also, Philip Rivers loves that sling pass to his running back. And it seems like a, a role that Naheem Hines is made for. So even though I think Jonathan Taylor... Uh, in year one, I think he's going to rush for over a thousand, and I think he's going to be an RB one, maybe at the back end, depending on how long he has to wait. It's just that he has to wait longer, I think, and a more competent back in Mac than Damian Williams. Yeah, to overthrow. See, I think with with Taylor as well. I think obviously people say he hasn't got that catching prowess, but his numbers increased year on year. You know, he started adding that to his game. He's. I think I think he can do it, and maybe you know he will grow into that and add that to his game. But if you look at, I'll, I'll use the, um, Nick Chubb as your comp, right? You, you people are taking Nick Chubb in the first round of startups. He's got Kareem Hunt there, um, mm. doing all the receiving work, and yet he he was still 
you know, putting up huge numbers. I get that Marlon Mack is a more competent back to beat out, but I think Taylor's talent and the draft capital they've sort of invested there and that offensive line, I think that's your sort of closest comp. And if you can add that receiving work to his game, then you know, you've got a potentially a top five running back. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that's why I said you're splitting hairs. Uh, look, in, in one of the leagues we're in, you've got pick three, I've got pick four. And I feel great about that pick four because I know that unless top two are not both QBs, I'm getting one of Edwards Hilaire or Taylor. So I'm sitting here uh, delighted that I'm getting, you know, two of the best backs in two of the best situations um, in fantasy. But, Would you be uh, tempted to trade up to, you know, if you offered you the 103 to move back to the 104, would you would you be interested so you've got your pick of the two or are you just happy to take whatever force you're there out the two? I'm happy with either um, because I, I just think they're in different ways. They're both in amazing situations. Um, and, you know, I said there may be longer to wait out in year one for um, Taylor, but once he gets that lead role behind that offensive line, he's going to be gold. And similarly uh, with, you know, CEH as well. Once he overthrows um, Damien Williams, he's going to be very PPR relevant and sort of guy you could quite easily um, on a year yearly basis get you 60, 70 catches. So, you know, in that 70 points in the season, depending on your scoring settings, plus other things like first downs and and so on. But uh, as I said, I'm, I'm happy with three or four. If I am going to trade, it's going to be to the two because I want Tua. But uh, outside of that, I'm delighted to get um, these these running backs early. Sometimes I think it's it's nice not to have to you know not to have to choose when you're happy with either. Almost get what you're given because you, you can't make a bad decision that way. Yeah, you know, in Absolutely. three, Shiggs has got to choose which ones he want, and you know, you're probably <laughs> not going to make a mistake. But if you do, you're kicking yourself. Whereas if you you get who you're given it for, you're going to take them anyway. So. And you're not giving up additional collateral to make that yeah. move up when you do rank them so closely. I said if I was really, really keen on one over the other, I probably would give a pick elsewhere or exchange of picks elsewhere to move up. But here, I'm so close on both that it's um, not a deal, not a priority for me whatsoever. So. Um, Pick five, then, in our consensus rankings is uh, J.K. Dobbins, another player who's landed on a great situation for a running back at the Ravens, uh, another player who was drafted in the second round, so the Ravens got him at the 221. Um, so me, Chiggs, and Mo were all fairly close in our rankings. Mo, you actually have him above Jonathan Taylor, I can see. But Paul, I could see you weren't very keen on Dobbins, and you have him uh, ranked eighth out of everyone. So, I'm I'm a smidge behind. I'm only I'm smart. I'm marginally more concerned with Ingram there. Yeah, uh, I'll get to that. It's short term. Also, Lamar runs so much. Um, it just I, I, you know I'm sure he's going to be really good. He's a really good player. He's going to be really sort of profitable player, um, fantasy wise. But it just, I, you know, it just slightly knocked him for me, even though it's, I think he'll be a really excellent um, actual NFL player, NFL player. I think it's a good spot for him. See, 
I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins. So I'll be completely honest with you guys. He was the guy I was eyeing up at 103. Um, and I was sort of giving the chat about C.D. Lamb, and I do love C.D. Lamb, but J.K. Dobbins was the guy I was looking at at 103. Just, I think, for me, he's the most exciting running back in this class. And I love that landing spot in Baltimore. You know, that again, you're in a run-heavy offense with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. You know, the points they were putting up last year, and he can do it all. He can catch the ball. He can break off long runs. You know, it's just... I can see him being a very, very productive back. And as you say, the only thing that knocks him slightly for me is obviously Mark Ingram's there, which I think hurts his value this season. But I, I can see him, from, you know, if you're patient with him, I can see him actually being the best running back in this class. And to the point where I'd even still potentially consider taking him at 103. And this is the beauty of this year's class, because if you've got the pick five, uh, and you've not traded for it, the chances are yeah, there's a very good chance that you could have narrowly, narrowly just missed out on the playoffs. So if you've got a strong team already, you'd be delighted to get Dobbins here. Wait uh, as much of the season as you need to, but there will come a time when Ingram won't be there, and I, ca I can't see it more than the season. But uh, while, uh, who's the other guy, Justice Hill, never quite, got the same level of carries and didn't have the same draft capital behind him. I agree. Dobbins um, is, is perfect for that system. I was looking earlier, actually. So Ohio State played over 65% of their snaps as uh, run plays, and they were actually one of the biggest to utilize the RPO. Um, almost around 20% of their plays, they use the RPO. So, you know, for someone like Dobbins, he's coming into the same sort of scheme where you know, so much of that is with the run-pass option. Lamar, as you say, carries a huge threat as a running back as well. So um, the the reason for me it's he didn't beat out Ceh or Taylor was just because I think he's got the biggest obstacle of anyone to overcome in Mark Ingram, who's been great everywhere he's played, uh, but also Lamar, who's a big um, running back himself, essentially. Mo, what are your thoughts on Dobbins to the Ravens? Um, I, I love it as well. Um, uh, just again, just all competition. Lamar himself is a competition for carries. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I think I think we talked about this um a little while ago. Dom, Dobbins uh, could be the best running back uh, coming out of the draft because, as Chicks mentioned, he's just exciting. He's just exciting to watch. If anything, um, uh, again, splitting airs. I mean, I can make an argument for him being one, two, three, and four. Um, uh, so, but no, I think I agree with every, what, what everyone else has, has said here. Yeah. So next up then consensus six, carrying on with the run of running backs, uh, we have Deandre Swift. Um, so out of everyone, I'm actually the lowest on Swift. I have him ranked ninth, uh, and I'll explain why. And it's just because I don't like that coaching staff that they've got. Um, I, I'm a carry on owner in a few leagues and have been for a few years and, I just can't get excited by that Matt Patricia um, staff. Uh, I, I think this could be the last year that he's in charge unless they show signs of improvement. And that's why um, not only with carry on still being there, but also just I don't like that coaching staff. It not, doesn't excite me. But that said, 
and I've got him ranked ninth. So still definite, definite first rounder. And that's just because of the talent. DeAndre Swift in many pre-draft rankings was the number one ranked player just because of his yards per carry. Um, he always seems to el- elude those players um, and get yards after the catch as well when he caught. So um, very talented player, just wasn't as keen on the situation as the other three here. That's why I've got him quite low. But Paul, you've got him the highest out of everyone at six. So what do you like about Swift landing at the Lions? I do just like his talent, actually. You're right. I don't really like the um, the situation. In many other spots, I would have had him. Um, I'd be, been happy with my ranking. But I do think he's got a talent that will shine through. Yeah. Chiggs, what are your thoughts on uh, Swift at the Lions? Uh, completely agree with everything you guys just said. Um, I think the talent is why you know he's still there in the top. I think I'd him ranked at seven. Um but you know, I think the top tier running backs in this class, there's a there's a there's a bit more of a drop off after I think the first four guys. Um, there's still some talented guys behind, but I think if you can get one of those four guys, then you know you you'd expect the talent to sort of shine through. Carry on just can't stay healthy, so if he can beat him out, then you know again you've got. There's a, there's a few more hurdles, I'd say. That's probably why he slipped in my rankings, like mm. like yours. But, you know, the talent's there. Yeah, so, you know, I think we're all high on these four running backs and it shows that they are the first four non-QB players. So going back to QB then, our consensus seven is actually uh, Herbert at the Chargers. Now, somebody here has got a bit of explaining to do, but... Um, First of all, me and Chiggs, given I think that it's all three of you got something to do, something to explain. <laughs> touche, touche. Uh, so I have him ranked as consensus five. Uh, I, I couldn't take Herbert above Taylor or Edward Zilaire. Uh, Chiggs has him at five. Mo, you have him at three. So you're going QB, QB, QB in your rankings. Is that purely because of Superflex uh, and the scarcity at quarterback, or are there other factors why you have? Herbert ranked so high. It, it's mainly because of that. Being super flex, um, you know, you have a premium at QB. I think I would still rank him third and hopefully, you know, someone's willing to trade the, trade with you and you trade down and grab one of the running backs. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's solely based on QB, however, on, on, you know, just the scarcity of QB in the league. But I, I do rank him. I, I mean, I, I, I put him up there mainly because I think as a QB, he's, he's set up probably the best out of all the other two QBs, Burrow and, and Tua, as for where he landed. Being with the Chargers, I mean, he's still behind Tyler, uh, Tyrod. Um, and I think, you know, they got, they, they've improved their offensive line. He's got more weapons than either of those two. And, you know, solid running back. Um, uh, you know, I like their coach. I think, I think, as for, if you, if you look at all three QBs, I think he's probably, he's probably got the best landing spot. Um, and I think, uh, I think one of our, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, if if Chargers had traded up to get um, or if Chargers had traded up to get Tua, uh, I I could make an argument that Tua could have gone one over Burrow, just because I like that landing spot. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, and and an honestly, it, take. It, it's really going to come down to if he can't succeed with the Chargers, he can't. He will not succeed anywhere. So good luck, whoever drafts. <laughs> 
It won't be me. See, this is the funny thing. Obviously, Paul being the uh, the quarterback whisperer, um, obviously had him at 16 in your rankings, right? Yeah, I may have been a bit harsh, but I, I do think more around there. I I kind of want to reflect the fact that I won't be drafting him um, in any leagues. Not, you know, he was, he's a great college player, but he had some accuracy issues. And I don't really like rookie quarterbacks that are going to be thrown straight into it. Now, you might say he's behind Tyrod, but that's not, you know, I, I think that would be seen out pretty quick. Well, you know, this year. Um, and I think he'd probably be thrown in a bit quickly. I think he'd be better off if he'd behind another quarterback, you know, behind a better quarterback. Give him a little bit more time to settle into the NFL. Um, and I'd rather be picking, you know, Love in the second round, who isn't going to play this year. You don't. If you pick Love, you're not going to sit there and be worrying about the fact you're not getting any value from him. You know you're not going to play him. He's going to be sitting behind Rodgers. He's going to sit on your bench all season. If you pick Herbert, you're not sure if you're going to be playing him or not. You're going to be sitting there in that torn thing, not sure what you're doing with him. That's my issue. It's not It's not him as such. But I also think he might be a bust in the NFL. See, I, I can understand that because if you think... Uh, if you think... You know, he is going to bust. If you look at, I think, um, Dwayne Haskins is quite a good example last year where I think he was going at number two in rookie drafts in Superflex leagues just because, again, QB taken, I think, 15th overall uh, by yeah. Washington. Um, so the draft capital is kind of there, starting QB. And I think people were offloading him for seconds um, you know, for this rookie draft. Um, so real sort of plummet in value because there isn't that faith that he's going to be anything more than a bust. So I, I can see why if, you, if you're not sold on Herbert, then you just wouldn't take him. But I think if I want him next year, I think he'll be at best mediocre this year, and you'll be able to pick him up for a late first, early pre. You know, worst case if you if you like his talent, but probably a second next year in a trade. Because people will be trying to get the next the next best thing or the next new thing and be a bit fed up with having him sitting there. As I say, like Love, no one's going to be sitting there going, he was rubbish. He, you won't know if he's rubbish. You just won't have a chance to find out. Yeah, and I, I, tried, I think you have a very good point there because um, I've tried to do my rankings team agnostic. But unless you're a team that's down to one starting quarterback and, and Herbert's there at the four, five, six, and you think, you know what, I just need a quarterback in a super flex so desperately. Otherwise, he would be lower. Uh, and it's the case even in one of the leagues we're in where I've only got Mahomes and Derek Carr of note. Yeah, I've got Cam Newton, who knows what's going on there. But I'm not thinking I need to take Herbert because I'm looking at the running backs in particular, but also the receivers and thinking I'm more confident in them hitting. Uh, and mentioned on the podcast before i did have four first round picks i've now got three we'll touch on that but i've got the four six and the eight and if if somehow i can get three of those running backs um out of the big four i'll have biggest grin on my face because i'll be feeling really good that i've got three solid contributors there uh, before i even look at someone like herbert um for my team specifically see now i i do get that but at the same time, um, if if Herbert does hit, how much of a value would that be compared to a running back hitting? That that's it, right? That that for me is why 
you have to bank on the upside of, of Herbert. So if, as an example, if he fell to me at 109, if you if for some reason you took your two running backs at 104 and 106 and he was still there at 108 and you passed on him, I'm taking I'm taking Herbert there at 109 just because if he does hit, I'm getting rid of him for a first next year plus. You know, the, the value's too too good to pass up there. And this is, this is a, I don't actually have the answer here, but who's been the most successful quarterback taken in the first round who's played that year in the last few years? I mean, Kyler. Kyler was... Um, Kyler solid, yeah. Was pretty yeah. good. He's going in second rounds of startups now. I mean, I hey, think Daniel Jones. Yeah, one. Yeah, Daniel Jones was pretty good last year. Yeah, when was he? That was in, that was in his first year, though, was it? Yeah, yeah oh, last year was, it was taken sixth yeah. or fourth overall by the Giants, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, now you're right. Yeah, they used their seventh and they didn't draft Ed Oliver. They could have got got uh, Jones in like 15th, their second first rounder or something. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, look, we've got him at consensus seven. Uh, I mean, just for reference, looking at uh, another site like DLF Dynasty, which has some great analysts there, they've got him consensus nine in Superflex. So, as I said, it's very debated play. I've seen him as high as three, and I've seen him as low as even 10, 11 in the Superflex ranking. So it's then it comes down to team needs, uh, or, or 16 in Paul's case. But uh, I think it just comes oh, yeah. down to team need and um, your own assessment of him and his situation. I mean, based on your team, you were just saying there, Amir, right? You've got, obviously, Mahomes locked in. Then you've got Derek Carr there, right? who potentially could be out of a job by week six if, you know, he doesn't perform Mariota sort of takes over, like what Tannehill did to him in Tennessee this year. Would you not be looking to take Herbert to have, you know, to have that potential upside? Even even at one, maybe not 104, but there's a risk, say, that he gets taken at 105. If you took him at 104, you'd still pick up your running back at 106. It might not be the one you wanted out of the Taylor and Fadez Valer, but then you can also pick up another guy at 108 as well. Uh, um, At the moment, my thinking is no. And the reason is I see more of a chance that a Taylor, a Swift, a Dobbins or an Edward Zilaire become the next Zeke or Kamara, or I see more of a chance that the likes of Judy or Lamb become the next, say, Michael Thomas than I do in a Justin Herbert becoming a QB that's going to be drafted top two, top three rounds in Superflex. And so I'm looking at it as in the future and saying from what I've seen on tape and from my college study, I think that Judy Lamb as receivers in particular, even um, Ruggs and Rager to a smaller extent, but you know, with my pick A, it's very likely that if I don't get running back, I'll get someone like Judy or Lamb. I think there's more of a chance they become that next Chris Godwin, uh, that next um, Michael Thomas, that next DeAndre Hopkins than I do in someone like a Herbert becoming, uh, you know, that top uh, Russell Wilson or wh- whatever you could, you want to compare it to, but a top two round drafted startup player. And that's that's the way I'm looking at it is in two years time, where do I see the potential of the players above Herbert. Um, And that's why with Mahomes, I know I've got a dead set starter. And 
it's super flex. It's not two QB, so I don't necessarily have to play a, a second quarterback. And if it comes to it, I'd probably look to trade for a lower end starter like Nick Foles, maybe or something. But I, I just think with the talent above him this year, that's why I'm not tempted to take Herbert because I, I think I'd have more regrets letting somebody like a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy or a J.K. Dobbins go if they fall to me. So you sound like 16 would be the right rank for him. Not quite as low as that. <laughs> as I said, I tried to do it team and team need agnostic, uh, which is hard, but I'm trying to rank it just based on, you know, you being average everywhere and what would you look at? And that's where I think Herbert as a QB and super flex but then, but then you should have him lower in your rankings, right? Because I would say you're a team that probably needs a QB. And you have him ranked fifth. But you still wouldn't take him. You've got three picks in the first at 104, 106, and 108. And you still wouldn't take him with any of those picks? Largely because my other QB is Patrick Mahomes. So right. there's one week in the season where I might need to worry about somebody else to plug in. But the fact it's super flex, and, and in fact, in that league, you know, there are bonuses for first downs and uh, receptions and things like that. So if I didn't have somebody as great as Mahomes, right. let's say my, my QB1 was uh, a Dak Prescott or even less somebody like Jared Goff or Josh Allen, then I'd be thinking these guys, I think Josh Allen's a great example because he's in a division with good defenses and if I was to rely on him, and then, as you say, Carr could be out of a job soon, I'd be a lot more inclined to take a Herbert. But the fact I've got Mahomes, and I know there's only one week in the season, barring injury, that I won't be able to play him, which is his bye week, I can then look at stacking up the rest of my team, knowing that it's super flex rather than 2QB. And again, if it was 2QB then I'm thinking, right, I have to take Herbert because I may not have a second QB starter here. So that that's my mindset. That's my thinking um, at the moment. But things may change by the time we do our rookie draft. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, so next up then, we have the first of our receivers at eight. It's Jerry Judy, a player I was delighted, absolutely delighted, fell to the Broncos. He was my top receiver um, in terms of fit for the Broncos scheme, if I could have picked any. So absolutely delighted he fell there. Um, I think me and Paul have our highest on him at seven, but we're all fairly there or thereabouts. Chiggs, Mo, you have him at eight and nine, respectively. Um, actually, Paul is the only one who has C.D. Lamb over Jerry Judy. So, Paul, what was you thinking in having Lamb over Judy is it purely on talent or no it's, honestly it's landing spot I just like him I like him at the Cowboys I like him Dak throwing to him um they've got a you know good offense I just think that's a good spot for him that's interesting because the reason I have him below Judy and it isn't a Broncos Homer thing it's just sure I think I wasn't so happy with the landing spot because he's got Michael Gallup and He's got um, Amari Cooper and Zeke to compete with. Whereas I think with Judy, it's only really uh, Cortland Sutton and to a lesser extent, Noah Fant to compete with. I said, 
understand arguments both sides. I think that's just... I think that's true, but the Cowboys seem to throw a lot and run a lot. So, yeah, they've got a high they, power. They have a lot. Of, they have a lot of. They had. Well, they had a lot of yardage last year. It seems to be enough to spread around there. And I've got more confidence in um, Prescott over Drew Lock. Yeah, that's fair. So, I love CD Lamb. Um, I had him as obviously my wide receiver one of this class, marginally ahead of Judy. Um, but I actually have Judy ranked above Lamb now based on the landing spot. Cowboys is, you know, took him obviously as the best player available on the board, but didn't need him. They've obviously got Amari Cooper there. Gallup, as you say, was the wide receiver too. And it's still an offense that runs heavily through Zeke. And, you know, Dak obviously gets his sort of share of rushing touchdowns as well. It is a high powered offense, but, I think there's just too many mouths there to feed for him to be, um, you know, that to break into that wide receiver one, at least this year. Whereas Judy, I can see him being a contributor for the Bronco. I love that landing spot for him. As you say, I mean, you know, in terms of the guy that sort of fits your needs for your offensive scheme, you've got Cortland Sutton as their sort of big body guy. I think Judy's going to play in the slot and absolutely feast. You know, Drew Locke throwing in the ball. You know, he showed good signs last year, sort of towards the end of the season, coming on. And they've added some weapons. They've obviously given him Melvin Gordon now as well. So they've got a bit of a running game. Noah Fant as well. But I just think Judy in the slot there is going to feast. Yeah, I love our, I love our moves in the offseason and the draft because we've really given Drew Locke the the talent around him including on the offensive line um to to succeed so now it's on lock to do that but the other thing to remember is it's i think this is the case for lamb and judy they're not likely to see double coverage ever because they've got amari cooper and uh, Cortland sutton respectively there but that said they're still going to come up against some good defenses um and i just think that lamb has a little bit more to compete with which is why but it was very tight again you know you're splitting hairs here yeah i mean that's, that's you know as much as amari cooper we sort of talk about him burning us and stuff but he's still like you know one of the top tier receivers in the nfl obviously getting you know he's, he's they've shown that by paying him you know 100 mil so right. they think they're highly of him like i i, I think cooper's better than sutton yeah, Sutton has sort of flashed some good stuff, but I don't think he's quite there yet. And also, if you look at the defences they're up against, I know Washington, you know, this is probably a bit close to your heart, Mo, but Ron Rivera, what he's drafted there on the defensive side of the ball, that could actually be a very, very scary defence. And you know, the Cowboys playing them twice a year. Yeah. I, think, I think an important point, though, is that um, Dak threw nearly 5,000 yards last year. Drew Locke threw throwing 200 yards a game. And I think you're right. Amari Cooper is a much, much stronger talent than um, uh, 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 Sutton. So he's, he's, you're going to find he's going to be open more. 
you know, Lamb is going to have less attention paid to him than Judy. True. I, I would say I think we dialed it down a bit. Didn't put too much in Locke's uh, arm last year just because it was his first five games. So I think we even dialed down the playbook a bit. Weren't necessarily as brave, but it was successful. We went four and one, I believe, with Drew Locke under center. I do think there's going to be an uptick there this year. Um, I can't see them him only throwing for 200 yards because of the improvements that we've got and actually giving him another really, really, really good receiver in Judy to partner with Sutton. Whereas last year it was sort of Deshaun Hamilton who didn't really, hasn't done much. He had Tim Patrick, again, hasn't really done much. So, you know, it was all on Noah Fant and on Cortland Sutton. Whereas I think now that with the threat of Judy and Gordon to supplement Lindsay, I think there's going to be um, more spread defenses. And uh, I think Locke will get more passing opportunities per game. Yeah, I do hope so. So that was Judy and Lamb at the uh, eight and nine. So next two was, were both, both dead in ter- dead, even in terms of um, the average uh, but I'll start with the uh, first, so sort of at 10, we can call it joint spot, you know, joint 10. But first up is Henry Ruggs at the Raiders. Now, consensus 10, but the lowest was 14 and the highest was 8. So, Mo, you out of everyone were the highest on Ruggs. You've got him as your 8th uh, ranked player. What was your thinking there in having him so high and above Judy and Lamb? So after the top four running backs, um, I kind of just cluster the next three, the top three wide receivers in this class together. And I mean, talent-wise, I, I, I actually believe Lamb is probably the best talent-wise. I think Judy is probably the most refined route runner. But when it comes to the situation, uh, when it comes to where, actually when it, when it comes to where they landed um, post-draft, I think Ruggs has the most upside. He is the clear number one wide receiver at this point, um, in my opinion. And if you just look at some of the stats stats of rugs, I mean, I think going back, uh, I think for every his whole career in Alabama, for every four catches he had, one was a touchdown. Uh, he is he is a home run threat, and I mean, you know, if you want like an NFL comparison, I mean, I think he's Tyreek Hill, except he, you know, I want to say he's more polished than Tyreek Hill was coming out of college. So, I mean, again, with any of these wide receivers, you're going to have some growing pains with them, maybe a year or two. But in my opinion, I think, uh, as for the landing spots, I don't think he could have gone to a better place than the Raiders. Now, I, w- I, did, I do wish maybe he had a better QB uh, behind center. But, I mean, I think they're, gonna, they're just going to use rugs in um, uh, minimum 10 plays a game and where he's going to be the focal point of that play. And I think he's, that's where he's going to rake up a lot of fantasy points. So, Chiggs, you're the lowest then at 14. What don't you necessarily like about Ruggs that he doesn't fall into your first round? I just think he's got too much of a bust potential about him. You know, yes, yes, the upside is there. You say a bit of a home run threat, but it's a little bit like I compare him to like say John Marquise Marquis Brown from last year, right? He's He's obviously, I know you're probably a bit more talented in terms of, as you say, Tyreek Hillcom, but he's that deep threat guy. Um, I just don't, I don't like 
Derek Carr or um, Mariota as his QB. I just think that the Raiders had a, a terrible draft as well. And it just feels like a bit of a reach for him, you know, when they took him took him where they did. I think the I think um Judy and Lamb both got more talent. And I actually think the landing spots for some of the other guys I have ranked above him in terms of wide receivers, I think have better fits, better quarterbacks, you know. Probably probably slightly safer picks. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, we'll we'll touch on them when we get to the rankings, but you have got Rager and Higgins both ranked above mm-hmm. Ruggs. Rager, I understand, because he's got the chance to be the alpha receiver from the get-go. But Higgins, was that more of a dynasty thinking rather than this season? Because you'd imagine Ruggs will have the clearer run to targets this season particularly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That. So, Rager, I absolutely love. I, um, I was eyeing him up at the back end of the first, you know, with my 109 pre-draft. I think, you know, he's an exciting player talent-wise and the opportunity he's got at the Eagles, you know, he could be really, really exciting, you know, contributing straight away from this season. And T Higgins, for me, is, again, I love the talent, love what he did at Clemson. Um, the big-bodied receiver that you know can be the alpha guy, the wide receiver one, you know, taking over from AJ Green long term, you know, in that offense, which seems to be improving. You know, they've got Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow. They've got some nice weapons there, and if he's the number one um, wide receiver in that offense, you know, we talked about it. Tyler Boyd's a very good number two, but he's never going to be that alpha receiver. T Higgins can be that guy. Um, yeah, so I, you know, if you compare Burrow and Higgins together, as your sort of, if you had the first pick in each of the two, first and the second rounds, and you got both of those, I'd be so happy with that. Yeah, and as you were alluding to earlier, I think with that speedster, there's always the risk of the bust potential. We've seen it far too often with some of those players, and I'm not saying that's all Rugs is. In fact, I read a stat that he only had. Um, something like 20 catches over 30 yards. So it wasn't that he was solely used as a deep threat. I think there were also short passes where he would then take it to the house. Um, So he's also got the touchdown potential. But I agree, we've seen it far too often with these speedy receivers where there's that bus potential. Um, I mean, me and Paul had him fairly even at 10 and 11 or 11 and 10 (laughs) respectively. Um, So it was, you know, Chiggs and Mo who had the more contrasting views there um and then i said there were two players who ranked equally the next one then at 10 slash 11 was uh, acres who's gone to the rams and arguably out of all the running backs drafted he's got the clearest opportunity to being the start starting running back from uh, week one uh, so with acres paul you have him highest at nine so a- acres arguably has the best situation to be a week one starter of all the running backs drafted uh we're we're all fairly similarly ranked um you know variance of between a high of nine and a low of 13 i have him at 10 in my rankings Uh, and the reason i like acres was because of that landing spot uh you know being with the rams they've released todd Gurley, henderson and brown haven't really done enough to show that they are capable of being the lead backs there. And I think Akers has just got to 
really good opportunity. But this is an interesting spot here because it's back end of the first. And Mo, you've now got picks 11 and 12 in one of our leagues. Uh, and that came about because of a trade we did where, uh, as well as peripheral players, it was effectively me giving Miles Sanders plus my 111, as well as then Boston Scott and Royce Freeman. And you gave me Dalvin Cook. And I think it was uh, Deshaun Hamilton in return. So um, if you're at the 11 and 12 and you've got Ruggs, Akers and Rager to pick from, who are the two that you'd be looking to draft? Or even somebody like Jefferson or Mims, but who are the two you'd want to take at eleven, uh, twelve? At this point, I would uh, I would probably take Rugs, uh, Rugs, in in a heartbeat. Uh, he'll probably be my eleven, twelve, probably Acres. Um, in on honest, on honesty, um, uh, Acres was my sleeper for my late second round uh, before he got drafted where he got drafted. I was thinking maybe I could get him in the two. I think I have I have a draft pick at the two seven or even possibly the two twelve. I was like, okay. He was going to be one of my sleepers, but then where he landed, um, it's 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 the best. Oh, it's the best landing spot to become the you know the clear cut number one running back right off the bat, and that's one thing I love about him. Um, however, his skill wise, uh, I mean, clearly the other four have more talent than him. Uh, I, this landing wise, it's probably the best spot. I, I'm not sold on the Rams though, however, and uh, again that that whole division is defense uh, oriented except for. Uh, the Cardinals, which the Cardinals are gonna, they're they're gonna, they're they're slowly working on that department, but that that's my only hesitant. But I I I think for me, I think whoever drops to eleven, I mean, I, I doubt Rugs and Acres both do, um, to and whoever does, I'm taking that one person, and then Rager maybe my twelfth actually, but um, yeah, Acres, I mean, I, I actually I, I loved him in Florida State. Uh, he wasn't in front of the best O line there, uh, which you know didn't bode for him for his draft stock that well. But he he was one of my sleepers this year, and unfortunately, uh, you know I just hate to use an early pick on him because I think the wide receiver the wide receivers available at this point are you know going to be studs, and um, uh, that's that's the only downside to him. But uh, I think he's going to succeed well. See, I don't think you would have got him in the late second because I definitely would have snapped him up in the second myself. Um, I really like Cam Akers talent-wise. You know, I think he's he's not at the level of the Swifts and Dobbins and so forth, but he was still there. He was still a five-star recruit coming into college. He had, an, I think, a massive season a couple of years ago. But as you say, the offensive line issues there, you know, had a bit of a dip. But I think you know, in terms of as you say, the landing spot and if he, you know, if he if he can. Get that get that um, starting gig there in, in LA. Then he could be seeing what Todd, Todd Gurley's done. Obviously, talent wise, you know Todd Gurley, fantastic. But yeah, just the, the numbers the the Rams can put up. I think he's really good value there. I actually have a feeling in our league. Uh, I believe the person that owns Henderson uh, traded this morning uh, to to the tenth spot or well, one uh, the first round one ten. That's a very good chance Acres is going to be taken there. <laughs> yeah, lock up that backfield. Yeah. The only uh, thing is, obviously, the offensive line, as you said, in, in LA's not, you know, not the best. 
again. So correct, and then and then he's going up against elite defenses there yeah. with uh, San Fran, and I mean Seattle still has it, and Arizona's only going to get better. And actually, Arizona, I mean they're just going to outscore everybody, so there they might not be much room for running back work against Arizona. <laughs> okay, so rounding up the first round, then um, we have Jalen Rager, who's first round pick from the Eagles. Uh, Chiggs, you're actually the highest on Rager. You've got him at 10, but we're all broadly similar, uh, anywhere between 10 and 12. So what what do you like about Rager that you have him ranked higher than the likes of Akers or Ruggs or Jefferson, for example? It's a bit like what Mo probably sees in Henry Ruggs. I see that in Jalen Rager. Obviously not as much of a... Tyreek Hill, but you know, I think he's the kind of guy that can make plays exciting, dynamic, you know. And it's the opportunity there in, in Philadelphia. They've they've got no one to throw to, right? They've been crying out for a wide receiver and he, you know, I think there were some issues with some drops. But again, was that partly down to sort of poor quarterback play? I'm, you know, I'm willing to take the risk there at the back end of the first. You know, I'm obviously, I was probably in contention for the ship, and he's the kind of player I'm picking up at the back end of the first that could set you over the top. So, yeah. yeah, I'm backing on that upside. Absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, lads, thanks for the breakdown. That was our first round consensus rankings uh, from 1 to 12. Join us for the next episode where we'll be breaking down 13 to 24. Uh, so the second round of rookie drafts. Uh, but for now, um, it's goodbye from me, Chiggs. See you guys. Mo. Giddy up. And Paul. Have a good evening, all.